it's Monday, March the 13th, and we've got a little bonus episode of That's What G Said podcast for you. We wanted to get all caught up on The Mandalorian, Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, because uh, Season 3, Episode 3 is going to drop on Wednesday at midnight, so we didn't want to get too far behind. And yes, our good friend Tim Kelly is going to join us. You've heard Tim help us out with a lot of the MCU and Marvel recap and reviews. Tim's going to make the move on over to the world of Star Wars. So on this episode, we will have overall thoughts on Mandalorian Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. Spoiler alert, we're going to go into everything that happens in Episode 1, in Episode 2. We'll talk about things that happen in the Book of Boba Fett, in the prior seasons of The Mandalorian. So we get into everything. The scene-by-scene, deep-dive, recap, and review. It's The Mandalorian Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, with Tim Kelly. We are back in the world of Star Wars, The Mandalorian Season 3. Episodes 1 and 2 have dropped over the last couple weeks. We have a little bit of a change for you. One of our go-to guys in the world of Marvel, our MCU man himself, Tim Kelly, who has helped us out with all the MCU movies. Basically everything in the Disney Plus era was when uh, Tim started joining us to talk about all the shows, WandaVision, Loki, all the recent movies that we've seen. But we're going to have a little twist for you. Tim's going to join us to talk some Star Wars right now. So this will be fun, TK, because we will still have big worlds and uh, lots of lineage and history to discuss. But a whole different group now as we head into Star Wars. Uh, and I always got to say thank you, buddy. It feels like it's been forever since the last time we talked. It's been a few months. How you doing? For having me back. This is going to be really interesting. You know, uh... I really feel like the Disney Plus series uh, with Star Wars and Marvel, uh, all these series, they're kind of like, you know, different fingers on the same hand. They're, they're mm-hmm. kind of the same cloth. Uh, and so it'll be really interesting, I think, to, to compare them because there's similar workflows going between the two. They both use the volume and I think to different effects. Uh, you know, some use it a little bit better than others. And I think it'll be really interesting to kind of compare. Also, you know, I've been getting a little bit fatigued on the Marvel. I think you could probably tell that I, through our, our uh, you know, just our podcasting before. And the, uh, in the in the world of Marvel and in the world of Disney, we've got Bob Iger taking over as CEO. And he's announced that with Marvel, with Disney or with uh, Star Wars, they're going to be pulling back a little bit uh, and, and focusing more on quality over quantity. And it's interesting that you pointed out that, you know, we started doing this in um, phase four, you know, the Disney plus era. And in that phase, uh, uh, while we've been covering Marvel, they've put out more con- more content than existed in the entire three phases that preceded wow. it. So it, it's, it's kind of mind blowing to think about that. Uh, but I think we're, we're starting this star Wars journey together at just the right time. You know, it's mm-hmm. post pandemic, uh, uh, you know, we got, Book of Boba Fett and that pandemic season out of the way, uh, which to me was was kind of suffering from some of the sim the same mm-hmm. problems that have been affecting a lot of the Marvel content as of late. But so far, so good with this new season of uh, Mandalorian. This is tops for me. I feel like they're they're keeping the quality as good as you would expect from a top tier Star Wars film, and that's that's just the first two episodes of the season. So hopefully they keep that going and and keep that that streak and that quality alive. I'm really excited to be talking about this with you. I very much agree, Tim. Like if I was just right now comparing the two, 
I think the last couple of Star Wars projects have been way better and just mm-hmm. quality wise than the Marvel MCU ones. When we come oh, out of yeah. Andor and Especially then into, Andor. into yeah. <laughs> the first few episodes of The Mandalorian. And mm-hmm. what I love about it, and I'm I'm glad we get to talk about episodes one and two together, because yeah. episode one was was sort of like scene setting again reminding everybody where Mm -hmm. we were even reminding people that hey like these two characters showed up in the book of boba fett right right like if you don't remember they reunited in the book Mm -hmm. of boba fett so there were even a a few things that were basically reap they like had lines that they repeated almost the from book of boba fett but i thought let's let's be real too this this isn't season three of mandalorian this is season four of the mandalorian it is that was just that was a low-key season three that they, that they just kind of retitled as the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, uh, you can't have something that big happen to your main characters and, and have that not be part of the show. I, it, I, it's it's in name only, Boba Fett. This is Mandalorian season four, and I'll, I'll stick by that. <laughs> and um, the first episode gets us kind of feeling nice and warm and fuzzy again we get to see din and grogu we get to visit a couple different planets but then when we get into episode two that is like boom once we get to mandalore and we get to get into the minds of mandalore the water the history of all of this i love the interactions between din and bo katan and it was so cool to see the the growth in both of these episodes of grogu and the fact that you know like any of our kids, Tim, you have a, a young son now. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yep. It's it's interesting when you can you tell your kids something over and over and over again, and then there's sometimes when you look down and they and like they figure it out. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not oh, it's yeah. not linear either, right? It's like there's some things that you'll tell them a thousand times and they still haven't yeah. picked up. And then there's other things that just like once or twice they maybe even maybe you don't even tell them, but they hear you. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you look down and they're doing it. And it's kind of funny to see that with Grogu here because yeah. Din is teaching him some of the things that are important to the history of the Mandalorians, being a navigator, being someone that can get through the galaxy on their own that can take care of themselves. And we actually see yeah. Grogu have to do that in, in episode two of this season. Yeah. He's, do, he's doing a surprising amount of things on his own in these two episodes. Uh, and, and I'm really excited to see Grogu so heavy uh, in the story. Um, you know, this isn't just Din's story. This is Grogu's story in a big way. And I've even heard people speculating that is the Mandalorian in, in the title. Is that actually Grogu? Mitz? As Grogu, uh, and Grogu's a—I mean, he's been a big hit since the, you know, uh, since he was Baby Yoda in all of our hearts and minds. And uh, and my—I'm glad you mentioned your son. My son loves Grogu. He points yes. him out everywhere, everywhere he goes. He loves. And so we've been watching, you know, these first two episodes, and the fact that they they hold on Grogu for so much, and they follow him around, and he's he's kind of, you know, I think he has one line of dialogue, uh, spoiler alert, which was kind of cool uh, that he's talking now a little bit, but for the most part, it's kind of like watching a silent film and it's all done in the action. And so, you know, a toddler can follow that and and it works really well. So I was, I was kind of shocked by how engaged uh, my two-year-old son was watching this, this episode with me just because he loves Grogu so much. That's, that's what really got him uh, in the door. I'm glad you pointed that out too. And I was thinking when you when you hit on the thing that the silent film part, mm. a lot of these first two episodes, they feel like it. And 
it, it is a mm-hmm. major, major credit to just the acting of Pedro Pascal and then even mm-hmm. um, uh, the character that plays Bo-Katan because they're, a lot of their scenes are just them and Grogu, yeah. right? And he's yeah. not – he doesn't have dialogue, as you're saying. Like he has a word or two. They're leaning into his cooing a lot more, you, and, yep. and he's growing up, right? So any noises that he can make, like we all love. But even like looking through a lot of the dialogue, it's so much just – Reacting, responding, little—it um, yeah. it has a different feel to it, which is which is very cool. But the one thing you pointed out at the beginning, and we'll dive in and kind of go a little chronologically through episodes one and two, is just the quality. Like this doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's a t. Te- this seems like Star no. Wars movie quality being broken yeah. down into episodes. It, it doesn't feel like oh they half-assed yeah. on the CGI here, or they didn't really have a budget, or they had to quickly. Right quickly speed up to get a release done for this. It doesn't feel like any of that. This actually feels like season three, or like we're saying more than season three, even of man, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're on a bigger scale. Things feel more lived in the areas, yeah. the places they go. It doesn't feel green screeny. It doesn't, it feels no. personal, you know? And that's like that quality. It was really, really strong throughout these first two episodes. Yeah, the detail, the way things are, are layered, the, the shot compositions, uh, the, the CG, the use of the volume. So the, the, the idea that your, your characters and the environments, the aesthetics of both match seamlessly, even though, you know, they're not in the same room as, as that. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't feel like green screen, like what you were saying. And a lot of the Marvel uh, properties, uh, you know, have been using the volume lately, but it looks green screen. And, and that was something that I thought was was fixed by the volume, but it really shows how a tool is just it's it comes down to how you use it and the artists behind it and the intent uh, and the amount of time they have to work with, on it. So you can really see the difference. Um, we haven't gone uh, into our deep dive on Ant-Man just yet, but just to compare it to that, I felt like so much of the CG in that and a lot of the, the recent it's, films. It's impersonal. Shows, Right. Yeah. Impersonal and 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 um, uneven too. like some things mm-hmm. will look blue Great. chip, you know, perfect as perfect as what we're describing in this Star Wars uh, in, in Mandalorian uh, here. Uh, but then other, and you know, a scene that will come right after that or even an, an element from the same scene will look so janky by comparison. And it's it's the compositing. It's something's not matching. And it's, yeah. it has to do with the workflow and the people behind behind well, it. And- but. This isn't yeah. supposed. This isn't going to be. We were not going. But we're we're Star Wars fans. A lot of you are right. Marvel MCU fans. But just sort of think about, in my opinion, the best of the recent Marvel MCU things over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And one of the best, I thought, I think that they did really well was Black was Wakanda Forever. One of the yeah. more pleased that we've been with with one of their recent things. And a lot of that mm-hmm. was because it felt real, lived in. Yeah. Right. We weren't dealing with a bunch of green screen stuff where that was the problem we're in star wars right that was the problem with the prequels that they had very true yeah it Same felt like it was talking all about. on the soundstage yeah right and yeah and in Andor, i felt like i was in those cities and the same thing when they walk through yeah. uh most eisley when they open episode two and we get to see some of the pod racing and, right. yes. and to see some of like the Bunta Eve holiday, there's speeders racing all over and then there's fireworks. Like, I love that kind of, it feels like yeah. we're in a real 
city, a real town, not like something that was made up and put together on a computer. Um, even Navarro, Absolutely. when we walk into Navarro at the beginning, it's cool. We get a little sense of how different things are. It yeah. feels different, like we're walking through a real city. And I, I, I will definitely praise them for that. Uh, my final last big picture thing uh, before we start going a little chrono- chronologically, I always got to mention our buddy uh, from New Rockstars. Our buddy, we don't know him, Eric from New Killing Rockstars. It. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's great. great analysis. I love, love the guys yeah. on New, and gals on New Rockstars. They do a fantastic job. He said too. You know what? This this is kind of getting back to the fact that there are a couple really cool ideas in these two episodes. This is a show now, or there's a story about a cult that doesn't know they're yeah. in a cult. Which yeah. I thought was kind of a cool way of phrasing it. And you sort of start asking this question is like Din and Bo, like who were the good guys and who were the bad guys? Right. Who was yeah. right and who was wrong, or are there just levels to it? It sort of takes us back to what the uh, the Bill Burr character said. Um, mm. in, you know, when he went in um in in with Mando and he said, Look. I grew up on a planet and this is what they tell me and this is what I'm fighting for. And you grow up on a different place and you think you're right and you're fighting for that. Like yeah. everybody thinks they're in the right. You know, like everybody yeah. thinks their their uh views are righteous. And it's a it's a really, really powerful few minutes at the end of the second episode that we're gonna talk about, Tim, where like you see these yeah. these reactions on Bo Katan's face and you can hear in in Din's voice. Like how how much it means to them, kind of being down there in the minds of Mandalore. So yeah, just some cool big picture uh, topics to think about as Tim and I take you through episodes one and two of Mandalorian season three. Let's start at episode one, the apostate, and we hear as we open up the uh, the episode, we hear a hammering, and it's the sound of mm-hmm. the armorer hammering. And we're on an unnamed planet. We we see basically what looks like a baptism ceremony. The remaining Mandalorians are all gathered together on a, a beach. And looks like a real sacred religious ceremony is about to happen. And they they purposely try to trick us a little bit here, TK. Because yes. you think it's a flashback right away. Absolutely. And yep. I, I'm sitting here with my girlfriend as we're watching and we're like, that doesn't look like young Pedro Pascal. I'm yep. like, no. And I was like, that doesn't <laughs> sound then, like him either. There's yeah, not. Like, what's, I'm like, no yeah. way. What's with you the lisp? What's this with kid, that? This, yeah. this is too not, cutesy. This is, and of course, the uh, that actor is actually Wesley Kimmel. It's the, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Nephew, yeah. right? um, who had a small role in the first thing that we ever talked about together, yeah. WandaVision. WandaVision, but, yeah. He was How in funny. some of the commercials there. So, yeah, the uh, the first thing we're, we ever discussed, and it all comes from Right? Yeah. yeah. First Marvel thing we discussed, first Star Wars thing we discussed. But this was an unnamed planet. And the ceremony, these are the types of things that I, I like to see, too. We yeah. see these types of baptisms in every culture, in every religion. Um, yeah. And it was basically a child having the helmet put on for the first time. Seeing them be baptized with water, like walking into the waters, and they had to repeat a creed. And Mm -hmm. this procession that was a beautiful ceremony gets interrupted by this massive beast 
that attacks all of the Mandalorians uh, that are remaining here. They're trying to attack it from above. They're flying. They're yeah. trying to blow it up. They put grenades on it. Just does not work at all. And this was this was a scary moment here uh, yeah. because even even at this moment, we still sort of feel like this might be a flashback. We feel like we might be looking at Young Din. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I absolutely loved uh, this whole scene, the sequence, and the way it plays out. Uh, I also love the, the the setup of it and the the timing of that interruption, where this this giant beast. Um, I heard it compared to like an alligator snapping. Yeah, it turtle. looks like kind of like a big crocodile, sort of. Yeah, that, yep. yeah. It reminded me of a, just a cross between a turtle and, and an alligator, uh, and mm-hmm. it looked impressive. Like to your point, dinosaurish about, like, for sure, almost. Yeah. yeah. And the quality of this was big screen. You know. Project this thing into an IMAX. You know what I mean? This is this Jurassic is, Park uh, style really stuff. good Absolutely. quality. Yeah, and it happens. It just so happens to have uh, the interruption takes place right before this young man uh, takes the oath to never take mm-hmm. off his helmet. So I've also heard it speculated that perhaps this is a manifestation of of the Force. Perhaps you know to your point about uh, a cult uh, that uh, they don't even know they're in. Um, is is the force is this force of nature uh, basically intervening on behalf of this kid, you know, uh, for for what is right here? Is that is that something that's happening here or is it just a coincidence? So I love that the, the timing of it for, for, for that very reason. Uh, and I also love the way that the the baptism uh, kind of echoes the the journey of, of Din in, in this episode and beyond Beautiful. is that he has to go it back is. and and wash himself clean of, of these uh, the sins, the sins directly being that he took his helmet off of. So it all comes full circle uh, and, and exploring this uh, this dogma of their their religion. And, you know, is it worthwhile or not? And again, speaks to your um, your point about who are the good guys here? Are people just misinformed or are, are, are people going to be antagonistic? Are these groups going to be antagonistic with each other? But they, they mean well. So is, is there, or is there really any bad guy here? Uh, but clearly there's going to be some conflict, you know, I really thought this was a great opening, a uh, great opening right. scene here right off the bat. And then we get, uh, there was interesting interaction to Paz Vizla, who we've seen, mm-hmm. uh, Din have to battle with before he, I don't know if it was his son, but there was maybe some connection there. He, he was the one who definitely saved the kid. And and mm-hmm. save the kid here from getting eaten by this big alligator. So is he the big him, guy? He's the, the big really guy. Big one? The big one that we've seen in right. e- we've seen him in season one, and we've seen him in yeah. season uh, two, and we actually saw him in the in the um, book of Boba Fett also. Um, right. So we've seen him pop up a few different times throughout. So I'm curious if he has a tie to the kid at all. But of course, Din. I think I think that one's played by the actor Tate Fletcher, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Who the you probably guy. you might. You might have seen him on the. Um, I think he was a, com- a contestant on the Ultimate Fighter back in the day. And yes. I know him as a, a guest on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. He's a good yeah. friend of Joe Rogan. Nice. So you'll so, see, like, there's some clips uh, of him on the Rogan podcast, and there's a story involving Joe Rogan and uh, his friend Tate Fletcher, this actor, choking out a, a guy in a hotel room, a belligerent drunk guy who was banging on their hotel room trying to barge in. And Tate calmly choking him unconscious and leaving him in the in the hallway. Attaboy, Interesting pause. story if you ever want to look that up. But Attaboy, Tate Fletcher, you also <laughs> right, right. And he's uh, he's also he was in Westworld and he's a uh, a lot of other uh, things as like a, a stunt performer, like a, a big tough guy usually he plays. 
but I thought that was interesting. I've also heard it speculated that maybe when that helmet comes off, the person playing it might be John Favreau. <laughs> just that'd saying, be, that'd oh, be that'd interesting. Be. So, um, when Din comes in to save the day, he basically just gives us a couple huge, uh. Uh, proton torpedo shot Boom Blows this whole thing up So he's yeah. Like for as much as we see that um, That Peli Motto Is running some scams She's a little shady Right We know that about mm-hmm. her She did give Din A damn good ship here Oh yeah This thing can fly <laughs> around This thing can maneuver Quickly as we'll see And this thing packs some power So She uh, She's a little shady But she did take good care of him And We Get the chapter 17, the apostate title screen as Din and Grogu speak with the armorer. The armorer says, you have removed your helmet. What's worse, you did so of your own free will. You are no longer a Mandalorian. Din pleads, the creed teaches us of redemption. What if the minds of Mandalore still exist? She says, no, all, all were destroyed in the purge. Din hands her a relic, like a little piece of, of formed glass. He he mentions Jawas came upon this by trade from a traveler who visited the surface of Mandalore. The armor says, "Nah, that only proves that the surface has been crystallized." But Din, this is his mission. He says, "No, if I visit the planet, if I can bring you proof that I have bathed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, then by creed, the decree of exile will be lifted, and I would be redeemed." And the armorer sort of reluctantly <laughs> agrees. Uh, this is the way, you know. She, she, doesn't, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't really love Din, obviously. Like she's a very old, in her set in her ways member of this quote unquote cult, this sect. And the yeah. fact that Din took off his helmet ever, the fact that he still has Grogu around, I think bothers her. He, she's even mentioned like, mm-hmm. well, why is he still around with you? Uh, there, so she just, she, she's not very receptive to Din all that much. And I wonder, was she sending him to set him up? Something like you wonder right. if she has the greatest motivations for Din here in truly wanting to yeah. have him redeem himself. Yeah, my thought was that she just didn't, uh, she didn't fight it at all. She was like, this is the way, because it was like, um, yeah, that's that's the rules. So okay, yeah, go die. Like it was, it was yeah. kind of that deal for her. Like, yeah, yep. please get out of my face and just, yeah, you go do that. You go kill yourself. Uh, Good I luck. think that's like, that was the message from, from her. Yep. Uh, and I've, I've heard it speculated too, that, may, you know, she could be perhaps a big bad here. You know, this could be the, a, a main antagonist for Din long-term. So Din decides, and he says, I will see you again, but he leaves. He has to make a stop along his way off to Navarro and as they're traveling between planets, um, Din will continue to teach Grogu little things here and there. But this is the time when Grogu sees these beautiful, like, streaks of light through the sky. And he almost lo- – he's, like, very mesmerized by it. And he almost looks like he's able to, like, interact with these. Yeah. They're called Purgle. They're hyperspace whales. And yeah. – What's interesting with these, they play a very big role in some of the animated series, mm-hmm. including a, a character that we heard the name mentioned in season two, Thrawn. 
Uh, Ezra is another character that we last saw in season four of Rebels. Ezra and Thrawn were actually carried off by these huge purgles. So when you see a purgle, that's a hyperspace whale, it's hard not to think that there may be ties to characters that we were introduced to in Rebels that could end up playing a big role in some of these shows moving forward. We know we're going to get an Ahsoka show coming up at some point. So this was more Mm -hmm. than just a little... Flash beautiful light in the background This was kind of a fun easter egg too here TK Yeah and this is the stuff I love man I, I, I had no idea these things existed Before I saw it I'm uh, admittedly completely um, un, Unexposed to Rebels I haven't seen the Clone Wars series I have not uh, finished I'm, Rebels And this, it, this was not something that was At all on my radar Until yeah. finding out more about it And like I said looking at some stuff from New Rockstars Reading some of the recaps so I love when they are able to connect stuff yeah. like this back to the animated stuff. Like now it's all canon. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And just on its own, the idea of, you know, these creatures that live in hyperspace and, you know, can traverse that without any kind of ship. That's just cool to think about. Um, and w- what else can they do and how do they come to be? And what's the lore there? Lore being a great word. I love the, the that this series so far, The Mandalorian has added so much lore and and connected so much lore from these other you know from the legends and from the various you know cartoon series and spin-off series and it's really doing a great job of like tying things together and bringing to the forefront some you know ideas that are more you know on the sidelines that i i, I just wasn't familiar with so it feels very fresh and and welcome uh and on, on another note as an avatar fan uh, another round of space whales this year, like two thumbs yeah. up. I, 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 no, no complaints here. I like the idea of that, and I love how things in in films and media always seem to come in twos like that. That deep, deep impact Armageddon kind of deal. Like there's always a, a pair, like unconnected. Volcano, Dante's Peak. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I love that random connection there uh, between the two space whales. Uh, love them. Would love to see more. <laughs> And what they've done really well in these last few years of Star Wars is it's not always easy, which we see in the MCU, from taking things that are from comics or animated and then putting them into live action. Mm. It's not always easy to make that transition. They've done a really good job bringing some of those characters and not making them look too cartoony or too goofy, Mm. right? Making them look sometimes serious and imposing and evil or like this. This was just like visually really stunning to see. And yeah, we also see Navarro looking really good. TK, Hello, we show uh, up on Navarro, yeah. and wow, <laughs> Grief Karga is the Grand Magistrate. This place is all polished, it's upgraded. The people are in harmony. We've got great wildlife. There's cool looking lizards up in the trees. Yeah, and, man. and the the um the tour guide when you get in that just <laughs> Giving you the introduction of everything uh, Navarro, an independent trade anchor Outer Rim Hyperlane Port um, Navarro has uh, shops, markets, local delicacies Marvel at the Black Lava Canyons Or soak in the <laughs> geothermal springs And Din's like, whoa He's Im- <laughs> he's super impressed So uh, shout out to our guy Grieve Karga he's, uh, yeah. he's doing some good work over there And more than anything it's got a good vibe and an energy, right? There's music being played all mm-hmm. over. It seems like these people are in harmony for the, the time being. 
Looks like a great place to visit and live. Uh, yeah, it, uh, talk about a glow up. This place, uh, last time we were there, it was like, you know, the worst elements of like Moss Eisley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's now it's like, a, you know, you're stopping your carnival cruise to, to have some fun with your family there. Uh, and who doesn't love to see Carl Weathers rocking some, uh, he, I think he had a, a a droid for his robe or he, multiple he had a couple droids robe. that were that were um, it was like when you're when you, when you get married up. and they carry the bride's dress down yeah he had a couple people carrying his robes or a couple droids carrying his robes around man he looked this was great that's money that's this money I, I, I love to see it carl weathers pulled pulled off that look i gotta say uh so, he's got a stew going so there's a big statue of IG-11 in the courtyard. If you aren't familiar or don't remember IG-11, this was the droid in season one that sacrificed himself to save Din and and Grief and uh, Cara Dune, who gets a mention here. <laughs> it was shout out. Oh, shout out. Love <laughs> that. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, make sure that they, we mention that. That's, that was a uh, very interesting little tidbit there. <laughs> I would have loved if they would have said something along the lines of like, you know, she wouldn't get one of the shots that was mandated. You know, like if they really would have leaned oh. into what was, going, what was going on with her. But well, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, one more thing with that though, it, it does seem like they're leaving it open. Like you know, uh, right. maybe the execs, the execs kicked her out, but it seems like the writers and the you know creative staff are leaving it open that Cara Dune can come back, and I'm I'm glad about that. You had I mean, she was yeah. set up to be such a big part of this that yeah. you couldn't have gotten away without at least mentioning it. You had and to she, at least yeah. mention her. She's great too. I love Gina Carano. I think she's I think she's terrific. I know that she's like uh, people don't like her personality because of po- politics and social stuff and some stuff that she posts. I think some of that, a lot of that, got really blown out of you know proportion. And let actors have bad ideas or or you know let let actors be wrong. Like they're not. Her- Honestly, I don't feel like she did anything really wrong there uh, you can take me to it's, task if you disagree it's a hard it's a hard topic because right like we're not mm-hmm. like they're an actor we're not we're not yeah. asking like we're not asking her to go out there and be herself and believe in what she's saying and what she right. believes right we're just at it, does she play the roles well absolutely and you're you're right. It starts getting on whether or not I believe any of the stuff that she says, which I'm like on the opposite of a lot of them. It comes it comes sure. down to like, what did she do? Right? <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, like that's what it comes down to. Um, people, people can be wrong and people can say the wrong thing. Like I feel like you know, not to be a, a like an anti cancel culture guy because those guys like seem to like only focus on that. But I just feel like that this is a good example of somebody who did get you know canceled and people will rub it in her face or, or mock her on online and act like she, you know, you know, she fumbled the bag and did all this stuff. I, you know, she, could she have handled it better? I think so. Uh, but you know, she didn't do anything worse than, you know, my, what my aunts do on Facebook on average. And there's a, there's a lot of people jobs, that are doing know? what she does in like, <laughs> yeah. like, like elected positions of power. I, you know what I mean? So I don't, yeah. it's a very tough dance here, but you're right. they, they mention her, but but there's still a window because she yeah. was supposed to be a very big part of this. We saw she was a big part of, uh, of the first couple seasons and yeah. was going to play a big role here moving forward. It was going to be a big part of another separate show. Yeah. So we'll be curious to see if she does come back here at some mm-hmm. point. But that's kind of why what what Grief Cargo wants. Now, mm-hmm. he's trying to get Mando to come and live in Navarro, but he also does want – some help he needs 
He needs basically a sheriff here. He says, mm-hmm. like, I need some help. I need someone that I can trust. I need someone, you know, that can that can be like the officer around these parts. And yep. didn't it, it would be a great spot for Din, right? Sitting here with Grogu sure. just chilling. But we know he has motivation. And the one of the reasons why he came here was to get IG-11. He trusts this yeah. droid. Din has always had issues with droids. He's never trusted them. But this is a mm-hmm. droid who sacrificed himself and saved their lives. So he knows if he has to go to Mandalore, where he doesn't even know what the surface of that planet is going to look like, what kind of safety it's going to be there. He wants to yeah. have a droid that he trusts. And the only one that he really trusts is IG-11. Yeah, which, uh, you know what? I initially thought that that was pr- like pretty thin the, uh, the motivation there they mentioned like what he's gonna go all the way to this planet just to pick up a broken droid that he apparently just he trusts him more i get why he trusts him but like seems like a, a whole lot but you reminded me just now of like yeah din does not trust droids he, he's already coming from that place where he just doesn't trust them period so this is the one exception when you really consider that it makes sense but even considering that it's I still, still feel it's a little it's a little it's, thin well especially when in like the beginning of episode two, he goes to mm-hmm. Pelly and he's like, "Hey, can we get right. a control manual?" She's, she's like, right. "No, we can't get that." He's like, "Oh, okay, no biggie." And that's just yeah, it. No biggie. Yeah. And then they just move the on. He takes, he takes the terrible R five droid who right. can't help him right. at all. So it's it's like, it well, is, wait, didn't you just go all the way out of your way to a, to another planet to pick up a droid? And now it's like you'll just take whatever droids there. It's like yeah, there's a little consistent. logistical like yada yada yadaing, you know, um, yep. here, but um. Uh, as they are talking in uh, Grief Karga's quarters, we get some amazing Grogu stuff here. Using the Force to mm-hmm. spin around on the chair, like just on like a circular mm-hmm. chair, which again is what my yeah. son does. He gets up yeah. in my chair that I use that I'm sitting in right now, and it spins, and he just is spinning in it all the time. So I'm <laughs> laughing at that. And then he he's using the Force to eat candy. From mm-hmm. Grief Karga's desk, which is just yeah. like what what we would be using the force for, <laughs> right? You know, I think I saw the guy on the the new Rockstars say, "I can't ever find the remote." He said, "You know, I'd be using the force to just find the remote oh, yeah. sitting on my couch." That, that made me chuckle a little bit because we all do that. But man, they're really leaning into cute Grogu here. He was just mm-hmm. adorable in 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 some of these scenes. Yeah, I mean, what is what is Grogu not cute? I, I, I know, he was yeah. like engineered to be like ultimately cute like how how does something you know how old people are cute and babies are cute like yep. he's got both at oh, the same you're time right. that is and i so think great that, that's why he's so supremely <laughs> cute and universally lo- beloved it was one of the most uh one of the smartest things you've said on this show it was <laughs> it was in the years it, <laughs> it was it was great so <laughs> as any you know leader of um any area when something goes wrong, they get contacted. So there's a little bit of an issue um, out in the courtyard. So Grief Karga has to go because some pirates are out there. And yeah. these pirates are led by Vane. They're just trying to stir up trouble. They're trying to go in a building that used to be a bar. But Brief Cargo lets them know, like, this is a school now. Things have changed around here. This pirate Vane kind of just continues to prod. And he points out. You know, some of the past ties that he's had with Grief Karga. Remember, Grief Karga has not always been a squeaky clean guy. Even now, we know he's probably doing some shady stuff when running this place. And Grief Karga lets us know that he's packing heat. 
he pulls up and shows us that he's packing heat. A pirate named Gorian Shand is mentioned as um, mm-hmm. Gorian Shand is the sort of the pirate king. He is the leader of this group of pirates here. As yeah. we see Grief trying to keep the peace, but these pirates are just instigators, right? They're just mm-hmm. guys that are trying to start shit. Like they they're not going to listen to grief. They don't really think that grief is going to do anything to them because it's sort of like one of their old running buddies. So they don't mm-hmm. think he's going to step up. And he, Din has to even sort of get involved. Hey, is oh, yeah. everything okay here? Is there right. a problem? <laughs> and we get this standoff for a second, and grief slowly shows he's he's got some heat, and as. Mm-hmm. Vane goes for his blaster. Grief Karga beats him. He tells the the rest of the pirates to run off and to tell Gorian Shard that Navarro is no longer friendly to pirates. And as the other pirates go for their blasters, Din blasts all four of them quickly. Boom, 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 boom. Takes them all out. So they just kill four out of the five in this group. The only one they leave alive is Vane, who runs off. But that shows you that Grief Karga is... He's running the show pretty well over here at Navarro. Like, he's not letting yeah. crap happen. He doesn't want this to be the place it used to be. He will take out these guys who are guys he used to run with. And he's doing a pretty damn good job over here. Gets a little help from Din. But we what we, what we do in this spot is we set up another sort of rival foil for Din, I think, throughout some of this mm-hmm. se- uh, season with this pirate vein. And the pirate king Gorian Shard, who he's going to have a small interaction with. So these are sort of like low, low-level uh, rivals for him that can be kind of an annoyance, I think, th- throughout a lot of his travels this season. Yeah, and it's teasing Vane as a that antagonist. You know, when um, Din says, "Sure, you want to let him go," you know, and uh, that that right there, like that th- they they let him live, they let him go, you know, to fight another day, and they're like. We see before the end of this episode that that was, you know, perhaps a mistake. And so as we continue along, Din asks Grief Karga if he can take IG-11. He said, uh, I want him with me. I need a droid that I can trust to help me explore Mandalore, and he's that droid. So Mando tries to put some pieces of him back together with help from Grogu. Grogu comes over, uses the Force... Which gets IG-11 going a little bit We get some sparks Some of the mangled pieces of this former droid Is put together It seems like there's going to be some life But remember he's mal- He malfunctions And he goes back yeah. to his original protocols Which are to kill Grogu Terminate right. <laughs> the asset Terminate the asset And yeah. he's going nuts Like He's trying to kill Grogu. They got to toss him to Grief Karga. He's jumping all over. This is like a scary moment for us Grogu fans. I know we didn't think he was yeah. going to go down, but anytime Grogu's in peril like this, I get a gray hair yeah. or two, TK. Yes, sir. And it was very, it was like Terminator esque, you know, the it way he's just dragging himself on the floor, this robot. Uh, and um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like, I, I saw this coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. I, my, this was, was like so... my first thought was like, Me wait, well, it, was, it was part of the reason why I thought it was kind of a thin motivation was like, well, wait, wasn't IG-11 initially like going to kill Gro- Grogu? So it's like that's in his memory somewhere. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Like, why didn't Mando think that this might might be the case? Like he, yeah. that didn't occur to him. Uh, he yeah. seemed pretty surprised by it. But 
seemed it seemed inevitable from my perspective. So Mando needs to see if they can find a way to fix IG Eleven. They're very lucky that on Navarro, the Anzellians are here. These little miniature the creatures that are awesome, and Grogu is obsessed with these guys. They are yeah. quote. The best droid smiths of the outer rim. Because they're so small, their eyes and their hands can see things in the wiring um, and fix them. That's so cool. Uh, that's that's such a great explanation. For, it makes right? so much sense. They're, they're living in this you know micro world. Yeah. Uh, so they can get all those little details. And they're so cute. They're, they're, they they're, look like a pug. Their faces yeah. look like pug oh, dogs with mustaches. That's funny. It's really great, and I, I love the way they 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 do the CG too. Like I, they they do the same thing with Grogu, where they're blending the CG and the puppets, and then when they make it CG, they they kind of replicate the movement and the like aesthetic of the puppet. So you can never tell, like shot to shot, <laughs> which is the CG or which is the puppet. It just seems consistent and feels natural. Feels like it's part of the world. I I love the I love everything about these guys. <laughs> They're so like a combination of a as a kid and as someone that you and me are yeah. in the same era that grew up with like the Muppets, Jim Henson stuff, yes. like some of this stuff. It's just like it's got a cool nostalgic vibe to it, and the way they talk. Yeah. No, can't fix. No, no, they're broken. Like, yes. I, just, I just love. I love yeah. and, and, and that's Star Wars, right? Like that's like the history of Star Wars is just littered with you know characters and different species and creatures that are that kind of embody that you know uh there it when the ewoks were introduced mm -hmm. they were you know there was some backlash from older fans but like they're beloved and like kids love them and there was just something like instantly cute about them and they have this whole like world view and there's something a little bit subversive about them all like you look at the jawas the ewoks uh, and now th these characters, they're they're a little bit rough around the edges, but cute at the same time. The Jawas are are stealing. The uh, the Ewoks were were literally <laughs> like cannibals at the by their introduction. So it's this nice like dichotomy of this marriage of like the super cute and this like almost sinister, you know, like like you know, nature is metal kind of deal. And man, uh. Pedro Pascal, he is just on one right now. He is like yes. America's sweetheart. He really is with like what's going on with The Last of yes. Us. You and I are like recording the day after the finale, the season finale of season and one. Wow. Which did you watch like, Last oh, of Us? Yes, did I you... did. It was like, oh my gosh. Fantastic. So good. And, and the parallels and too between the two shows so, I, I find very interesting. So many parallels and even like episodes. Like recent right. episodes, like the second to last episode of The Last of Us, yeah, and what happened yeah. this on in episode two of this season yes. of Mando. It's just like, wow. Yes, can I, um, I think I think I know where you're going with that. The idea yeah. that where the you know the Pedro Pascal character in both episodes is like it, he's on his back essentially. Yep. He he's, he's, he's laying always horizontal. been the guy to take care of the other one exactly, right? and, and then the person that's uh, you know he's being you know been protecting is the one who has to protect him in the, in both those stories. I, I love that. You within had days. Like, within yeah. days of each other, we saw these episodes. So That's, it was like, wow. Yeah. And completely different shows that couldn't have timed it that way if they wanted <laughs> to, you know? It was just unbelievable yeah. to see that. And, like, I like my mom was talking with me about him, too, and I was like, I don't... It's one of those things where you couldn't... You can't like force someone down into the public eye because mm -hmm. like the fans, like the public can, can sense it. It's gotta be natural, right? right? Like it's gotta right. be, it's like an, it's I, organic. I, yeah. I compare a lot of things to wrestling, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, right. if there is someone that the crowd can tell 
that the office wants to be the guy, they they don't right. want it. They don't want it. They yeah. won't cheer for that guy. But it's it's the when the crowd feels like they made the, that person a star, they love it. Yeah. And that's I think how a lot of people feel with Pedro Pascal because he, mm-hmm. you know, all of his roles when you just think about from Thrones and then to Mando, Narco yeah. stuff, and now with this one on The Last of Us, it's just he is so he does such a great job and he's so well liked with everything that yeah. he does. Just nobody has a bad thing to say about him. And I just was That's laughing so, so much at the scenes where he's like sitting down talking to the Anzalians and he's trying to get his point across. Yeah. And, and Grief Karga's in the outside and he's trying to translate. And he's yeah. like, No, they can't Chris- do it. No, they <laughs> right. can't. No more. And and it was just a funny, like funny scene. And this is some of the the mm-hmm. comedy that I think has at sort of natural that's been missing a little bit lately from MCU stuff because a lot yeah, of their comedy yeah. we look at sometimes and it's it's kind of like a little eye rolly. It's like oh well they right. did that with the punchline. It subverts yeah. the reality of the world for yep. the joke. Whereas exactly. this like this is a great example of like the exact opposite. Like there's something funny just on its own about that the the. the visual of din inside their little room crisscross applesauce talking with these little guys it's 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 surreal and he he doesn't have to go he doesn't have to make like a a quippy one-liner for us to like look at that and chuckle and 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 appreciate like why that's funny (laughs) Uh, but it it actually builds the reality of the world It, it makes it feel more real something like this because you go yeah so he's got to interact with these little guys How's he going to do that? Well, he's got to he's got to literally crouch down and, and cl- crawl in there, and that's that's the reality of the situation, uh, and it makes it feel more real because you have this like the specificity of it. You you uh, you see it play out, and it it it, it makes sense. It's like yeah, he would do that, uh, and it, it's ridiculous, but it's he has to do it, and it it, it just <laughs> gives you an idea of like how that world works and how. Yeah, this character, if he had to interact with those little characters, how what would that look like? And they, they, they gave it to us. And they didn't have to have him commenting on it in a way that that kind of like makes the whole thing seem silly. There was it's no like short its own joke, it, it worked. right? Or something right. like that, right? It wasn't like, oh, you guys are small, da-dunch. Like, there was none <laughs> right. of that. It was just like, we could see the joke. And that was yeah. all we needed, you know? Like, it was it was funny. And, and he, they find out that, the Anzalians can't fix it, but they need a new memory circuit. So they're going to mm-hmm. look for a new memory circuit. Um, Din thinks he might be able to find one with, with the Jawas. Uh, and, and while this is happening, Grogu goes and picks up one of the Anzalians and hugs him. And they're like, ah, yes. nah. they think they think that Grogu is trying to eat him. And again, yeah. I get this feeling where it's like, how many times have you had to do this in the last couple of years, TK, with your kid where you're like, oh, sorry yeah. about that. It's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's free. He doesn't know what he's doing. My bad. Like he didn't mean to pick that off the floor and eat it or like poke you in the eyeball or whatever it's do- like, this is such being, just being the, the parent, like, Oh my bad. I, I just, yeah. I connected with this a lot and I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I think I saw that, uh, you know, going back to what I said about the puppets before, like, I think they had to create like, uh, one puppet to uh, to do Grogu hugging, you know, the other character there. Like they they had to build like a one puppet uh, <laughs> for both characters, if that makes sense. I, don't know, I thought that was interesting. So the Din and Grogu, they are going to go try to find a new memory circuit so they can put IG Eleven back together. 
So as Din and Grogu head out and they're navigating, I love these little moments where he's teaching him. Being a Mandalorian, it's not just about learning how to fight. You have to yeah. know how to navigate the galaxy because you never know where you're going to be headed next. This is your hyperspace map. This is your range. You determine that by looking at your fuel gauge. And this, oh, and then we hear a beep sounding. He said it's when your enemy is uh, your enemy proximity warning indicator. Hang on, kid. We've got pirates. Just as you mentioned, they let Vane go. They did not kill him. And Vane, the pirate that was just at Navarro, along with four other pirates, all are surrounding Din. But man. This was some nifty maneuvering through an asteroid field. He's able to use some of the asteroids to kind of hide behind them, maneuver around, take them out one at a time. He kind of uses the asteroids as shields. This was really cool. Like this was like a video game, you know, like a level of a video game. I could just feel it while while I was in it. And um, it was classic Star Wars space battle too. Like at the best it gets. And it was, it wasn't like one, you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith, the opening battle where there's a million, uh, you know, ships out there. It was it was paced, you know, tightly with just a few uh, ships, you know, involved, and it was just it was almost like a stealth battle. You know, one by one, he was picking them off, and I love the way that they uh, incorporated the Ludwig Göransson theme. Uh, every time he got a kill, like you would hear the same theme kind of come in, and it was it was just building this tension and adding up to like how badass the whole. The whole play seemed. Uh, and then I love, love, love what comes after that, where you see the character design of, uh, remind me again, the, the name of the um, the pirate Orion. captain. Yes. Orion Shard, the pirate king. Yep. One of my favorite uh, you know, character designs I've seen, if anything, recently in any show, Star Wars totally or agree. otherwise. He looks great. And, and the character designs across the board on this show have just been so top notch, going back all again, like to the, the, the alligator snapping turtle thing and, you know, all, all the, all the care, the pirates, you know, um, you know, on the ground, the makeup, all, you know, Zane, he, he just looked really, really good I, for lack of a better uh, word. Like everything was just so top notch and keeping that standard. So the, and the guy who plays Gorian Shard, he's, we've also seen him in Ted Lasso. He also plays, um, his name is Nonzo Anansi, he was in Game of Thrones also. He was the the one who we thought was a good guy who was trying to help Daenerys, but really was uh, was tricking him. So he's been in some some big stuff, too. And uh, just a great, great look. He has a small, um, small interaction with Din. And and Din says, look, I have no quarrel with you. uh, Shard says, you just destroyed four of my fighters. Surrender your ship and I will spare your life. And Din looks down at Grogu and he says, kid, mm-hmm. never trust a pirate. And he flips into <laughs> hyperdrive and just gets right out of there and he yeah. just blows right by. So this is cool because it it shows us a little bit more about how fast this ship is. Great job that Pell yeah. has done like uh, adding these features. But it keeps an antagonist and it keeps someone out there that Din will have to deal with. Throughout this season, and it's going to be this pirate king, Gorian Shard, and Vane that'll probably um, show up different times and make his life miserable and make things tough for him and Grogu. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, I mean, pirates are always fun. Space pirates sound even more fun. 
And again, this character design, it's just so top notch. The performance was 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 great. Kind of reminded me of, you know, going back to Pirates again, Pirates of the Caribbean. Was that what was the uh, the pirate with the um the tentacles on his yes, beard? Yes, Davy Jones. Um, it, yes, it was at l- least as good as that. That, and I mean, Absolutely. I know that was uh, at least ten years, maybe fifteen years ago, that when that came out. But like, this is at least as good, if not better, than that. And uh, it was just so the detail, like all the stuff going on with that like green plant material, that moss it looks stuff like growing he got, out of him. He was on the bottom of the sea, right? Like yeah, his face, yeah. it's just well done. Really it's like a swamp thing kind of a vibe to it too, and it just, yeah, and it's, it was really there's a little cool as a kid. One of my favorite movies, and I I see a little of his face as a, and there's a little Harry and the Hendersons in there on his face. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you ever remember that movie, which I <laughs> love. Yeah, yeah, I, I see a little movie. something that I I love, but um, yeah. good look, good introduction to Gorian as uh, Din and Grogu arrive to see Bo-Katan as mm-hmm. uh, Din continues to gonna teach Grogu as they get there hey this is uh Calabala that is a Mandalorian castle and they arrive to see Bo-Katan Din again again the special effects I remember seeing this just kind of blew me away just as they entered the atmosphere the rain effects and the uh the landscape just the incredibly beautiful shots I just wanted to mention that real quick and Bo-Katan is just brooding she's sad she's dejected she's alone she's super emo she's Um, posing She's she a hell is. of a poser in this. She <laughs> she's is. She's got like her, her leg up, and then just, and her the the it's it's very picturesque the way she's sitting it's there. Great. It's it's like she was waiting for somebody to walk in on her and see her like that. It's like you're just really like this all day, like that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. honestly, you're sitting like, like really? that all day, right? You weren't scrolling yeah. your phone. What's it? What's I that? Know. Come on, <laughs> come on. But Din walks up and asks her. Uh, for, actually, he tells her, "I'm here to join you." So there's nothing left to join. He said, what about your plans to retake Mandalore? She said that when she came back with the dark saber, her forces melted away. They are all making their way through the galaxy as mercenaries. And she tells Din, if you still have the saber, you lead them. Wave that thing around. They'll do whatever you say. He asked, you gave up designs to retake Mandalore? She says, your cult gave up on Mandalore long before the purge. Where were you then? The children of the Watch and all the factions that came before fractured. They shattered our people. Go home. There's nothing left. She's done. But Din feels like he has a purpose now. He said, I I have to go to Mandalore so I can bathe in the living waters and be forgiven for my transgressions. She kind of laughs at him. You're a fool. (laughs) There's nothing magic. They supplied Beskar once to our ancestors and the rest is superstition. The planet has been ravaged, plundered, poisoned. If you want to go to the mines, be my guest. They're beneath the civic center in the city of Sendari. And he says, okay, thank you. I'm going to find out if the planet is really poisoned. And that's how we end episode one with Din and Grogu leaving. And we see a different version of Bo than we saw Last we we visited Bo because she was a lot more passionate, a lot more motivated, someone who felt like she was a ruler. And right here, I mean, she is ready to call it quits. She's just yeah. checked out. Yeah, I, th- I guess her whole motivation was just like leading the the, the Mandalorians and you know getting the dark saber and and uh, you know and ushering in a new era for her people. And that's just completely. Uh, fallen by the wayside now. I love the ideas she describes of like all the you know Mandalorians off on their own, like being mercenaries. Like the idea of like 
uh, Ronin Mandalorian out there, right. kind of the way that the Jedi got you know spread across the, the galaxy yes. uh, in that way. Uh, again, uh, uh, that the parallel between the Mandalorians and the Jedi, who were at once you know at odds with one another and at war with one another. Again, going back to the idea of like who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. You know, we as the viewer, we like Mandalorians and we like the Jedi, so we know that. They're, you know, they might be antagonistic towards each other, have different goals and be in conflict, but they're both, you know, we like them. They're good. They're, they're, there is no bad guy there. Um, so I, I thought that was all very interesting. Uh, but yeah, she, her, her, she's just so defeated here. It's a very different Bo-Katan than we have seen thus far. We, we've yet to see her without, without people to lead. I don't think we've seen her on the series without some group around her uh, nope. supporting her. Um, and so her being all by herself with, uh, it seemed like maybe there was like a one servant left over or something. Uh, and what is she doing with her time all day? It's, it's implying that she's just sitting on the throne, like a, a mad King, uh, uh, that, uh, that had their, their kingdom taken away. Um, but they're, they're definitely setting up the, the frenemy kind of vibe here of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of, of Mando, you know, they, they have conflict with each other. This, this, the, the elephant in the room between them is this dark saber thing and all the, the dogma are, are associated with that. Uh, they, the, they find themselves competing over this thing that didn't, you know, he just kind of fell into it and she really wants it, but she's also abiding by the rules of it. She has to win it in combat. So it's this very interesting dynamic there between them where they like each other, but like they both, you know, are in direct conflict. They did such a fantastic job throughout this episode because mm. At the end, I wasn't sure what, like, and, and even now, I don't mm. know how Bo feels. I don't know if this is going to be Bo yeah. Katan or if this is going to be, like, <laughs> there was, there's a moment when she looks at Grogu where you see, like, a little chemistry between her and Din, and you're almost like, okay, uh, there's, something's going on. Bone Katan. Right? Or, or, oh or do we get, or do we get, like, opposites, like you're saying? Or is it these are two yeah. that, that still have completely different viewpoints things that they believe in and is now she motivated for different reasons i don't know but that's great like they could be in love or they could be fighting in the next episode and i really don't know which i i i like that excitement as uh didn't grogu had to have uh to head to mos eisley talk to peli motto see if she can help out with uh with them trying to get um ig 11 fixed up and when they when we see Mos Eisley to open up, really cool. We, we yeah. get odd racing on Tatooine. We know that it's Bunta Eve. It's a holiday mm-hmm. that's uh, commemorating like one of the former famous rulers. And we we check in with our friend uh, Peli Mato, who's pulling some scams first on this Rodian. She's got a missing con. a tooth. Yep, missing a tooth now. <laughs> He's got a con going with the Jawas. Um, just yes, which is really great, and you could tell that like they steal from some of the the uh some of her customers and clients, and then they give the parts back, and she's got it. So she's just yeah. shady as can be. She's got this system working, and um, it's it's always great to get a little check in with her. Is um, we hear Pelly, you know, just interacting with one of her customers before Din arrives, and of course when he shows up, she's excited because. The ship looks great, sounds great. She says, you hear that? She's purring like a nuzzle shrew. The things that she says 
are hilarious. They just make me laugh. Yeah. Like her little like quips and her little tidbits. Um, she asks, "Where where's my guy?" And Grogu pokes his head out, and then he jumps and flips into her arms from the ship, yeah. which is awesome. And yeah, she my says, son got got a kick out of that. Yeah. yeah. She said, who taught you how to leap like a Lerman? And TK, this is what we saw him mm -hmm. doing in the book of Boba Fett. He was training with Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Learning that Jedi stuff. Yeah. And so uh, I love the way Jedis jump, too. Uh, that's something that I feel like uh, it was a little bit in the original trilogy, I think. But they, it was a lot in the prequels, if I'm mm -hmm. remembering correctly. Like, they really expanded that. Like, how nimble they were. They could flip and jump. And I love that. Now, I love seeing uh, Grogu do it, especially, like, uh, with how awesome Yoda was when he revealed like what he could do in uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones, like the, the the flips and twirls. I mean, the the ceiling for for you know a creature like like Yoda or Grogu um, with with Jedi skills is is really intriguing to me. I love I love the look of that. Is uh, <laughs> Pelly and Din interact? Din talks about how he needs. To get a control circuit. So this was one of the parts that we were talking about. He said, I'm looking for a replacement IG memory circuit. She says, they haven't made those for a while. But let me ask the Jawas. She says, sorry, pal, no chance cubes. Which is great because chance cubes are like dice. So she's basically saying, sorry, no dice. Um, they can't find the part. And that's it. Like, that's it. Like, that's, there's like no, like, he doesn't put up any fight or anything. He, I mean, I guess he trusts her because she would know. But that's just it. He's like, oh, okay, I need my droid fixed. And she starts to pawn R5. Yeah. He says, look, I've got this beauty here. Um, she, he says, no, I, I, I need a droid that's rated for spree-lunking. I'm going to Mandalore. I need a droid that can explore ahead of me, test the atmosphere, make sure it's safe. She says, oh, look, this guy R5, he's built for adventure. He's supposed to be piloting starfires across the galaxy and fighting tyranny. Um she says, look, it's as good as it is the day he came back from serving in the Rebellion. We saw R5 in A New Hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he had a bad was, motivator, right? Yep. He was in one of the first scenes of, of the movie, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. And he he's the reason why they get R2 um, instead. Yeah. Because R5, like you said, has the, the bad motivator. And, and poor R5, man, he's a wimp. Like, he does not want to go with Din. Yeah. He, he, he does not want to be out there. And so this this was the I guess the only part so far in the first couple episodes that that felt a little hollow for me in that mm -hmm. we know he's got these issues with droids. He really mm -hmm. is dead set on getting IG-11 fixed, but he's going to take this R5 droid who is obviously yeah. like from the moment Defective. that yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it just doesn't want to be there at all. Like just so that was what I one of the I guess my few critiques there that I had. Because it just seemed like a little like, okay, and then you're just going to take this R5 and go on with it? That was, I thought that yeah. your whole point was wanting IG-11, a droid that you could really trust. Yeah, it seems a little uh, illogical, poorly motivated. Kind of kind of a plot hole. Um, not the biggest one, though. So I, no. we can, I, I'm okay forgiving it and, and, and moving on. You know, It wasn't one that really broke it for me, but I had the same exact thought of like, yep. oh, why, why are we doing this? Is, was this just an excuse to uh, come back to this locale? To Pelly. Yeah, to get a look <laughs> at Pelly again because she's pretty great. Yeah. She cleans up the droid. She puts in a droid port. Now, I think here, here's what I will say. What what I what what where this does make sense is that 
They needed to get the droid here because this is the droid that helps navigate back with Grogu, right? right so right, right. that they if they didn't have the droid, it wouldn't yeah. have made as much sense that Grogu could get all the way back alone. But at least knowing that Grogu has the droid there with him to navigate, now at least yeah. it makes sense that he can kind of get around on his own. So now I'm I'm okay with it because it sort of helps make sense that Grogu needed a little help. He wasn't going to be able to fly this thing on his own. It may- it makes sense for the story, but not but for not, Mando's motivation. You're at absolutely time. right. You're right. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're they they probably put it in to make sense for the story, right. but not right. for the motivation of Mando. As they leave, Pelly says, "I wouldn't lie too much on this one. His circuitry is a little fragile." It's like, <laughs> what? I thought you said it was built for adventure. Sorry, I can't <laughs> hear you. May the force be with you. And as they leave, we see the cool fireworks on display. For uh, Bunta Eve And Din mm-hmm. continues to teach Grogu But the one line That just got everybody excited Was when he says Alright kid, you ready for an adventure? <laughs> Boom! And, and here we go yeah. um, We're off And we're sort of back in in The uh, the template, the format Of the Mandalorian that we, we've known And love over these seasons where there's kind of One or two things a week that they have to get done And it's kind of that old spaghetti western Each week you have some task you have to Finish and move on to the next As Din Teaches Grogu as they Approach Mandalore says, It looks scary, I know But it was once green and beautiful back when the songs Were written, it's Mandalore, it's the home world Of our people, every Mandalorian Can trace their roots back to this Planet, the Beskar mines deep Within it, and you know what, I've never Been there, I grew up on that Moon, Concordia And that's Calavala where we visited Bo-Katan It's in the same system, we have to Understand maps, Mandalorians need to know their Way around, that way you'll never be lost So, the teaching continues Every time they have a free moment Or two I, I love that because this is the kind of thing yeah. I feel like I try to do as a dad. It made me feel good. It's like I just remember yeah. I remember being in the car with my dad and him telling me oh, yeah. stupid things. I say stupid, but like things where it's mm-hmm. like I do it now when I'm driving, like the things that I remember him do when he was driving right. or tell me, you know, and I'm like, this is this reminds me exactly of this. Like, don't don't yeah. tailgate too hard or try to keep a little more in between or, you know, you don't need to just. The small little things that they would, uh, that your father might teach you, and we're we're getting this that w- relationship. Yeah, and it works for like two reasons here w- within the story. One is it's like, yeah, that's what Mando would be doing as like the father figure in this story. He'd be trying to teach, so it like it 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 strengthens the idea of like what of their of their relationship together, and it shows us as the audience that progression of of Mando really embracing him as his son. Um, and then it also works well because it, it, uh, justifies how later on Grogu is able to save him. Like he's been Mm -hmm. learning these things and he's taken that to heart. And then, you know, by the end of the episode, he's able to, to navigate with the, with the help of this, uh, R5 droid, uh, to be fair, but still he's able to do what he does in part because he's been learning this whole time. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's again, continuing that, uh, his journey of, of being this, uh, the, you know, a, a Jedi and a Mandalorian. I know he's officially, you know, chosen the way of the uh, the Mandalorian now, but he still has that base of the Jedi training all the way back to, you know, the Jedi Temple, um, you know, before Order 66. Well, yeah, think about his teachers so far. He's had Luke, Ahsoka, and yeah. Din. So he, he has a very 
well-rounded education of different things he's been learning at from totally different types of teachers. Like those are the types of teachers that I love learning and reading things from people that have different philosophies. That's how you learn the most. Um, And I think that's the through line of the, of his character. And I think maybe where they're going with, mm -hmm. with him is that he's going to be this figure in this, in the world that kind of unites those two disparate factions. A unique figure Um, that has this unique set of skills and, 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 like taken i have a very unique set of skills you know that's right. grogu. <laughs> grogu liam neeson is grogu you know but that's uh yeah. that's where that's where we are right and now it uh, echoes the backstory too of the the dark saber which is this perfect like uh midpoint between you know the jedi culture and the mandalorian culture it's you know all of this hybrid thing um, and I, I don't know too much about the, the backstory, but I've looked into a little bit of like the cataclysm and, um, yeah, the, there was a figure in Ma- the Mandalorian, you know, history that was a, basically a Jedi and a, a Mandalorian and that's who mm-hmm. created uh, and was the first to wield the dark saber. And so perhaps Grogu is this generation's, you know, resolution of that, you know, that journey of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, he's he's uh, perhaps the chosen one in this situation that's Bo, going Bo, to you know fill those shoes. Bo sort of is is getting us there when she talks about how mm-hmm. they used to work together in harmony, right. the Mandalorians and the Jedi. She says there was a time when we fought on the same side for years. Mm-hmm. So as they enter the atmosphere of Mandalore, it's very shaky, it's very bumpy, it's very turbulent. There's lots of rain and wind, and Din says that. They were not from the surface. It looks like we're not going to be able to communicate with anyone. The fusion bombs disrupted the magnetic field. So we have to be very careful. We're completely cut off from the rest of the galaxy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, some, something's coming here as they land on the surface. There are uh, tons of rocks, kind of glacier looking, almost like stalagmites. Um, yeah. Beautiful formed rock formations as R5 reluctantly. Goes out to the surface to try to see if there's anything out there to try to test it. You see, Grogu is scared for poor R5. Man, those like the droid's gonna be fine. It's okay. I just need him to take some readings to make sure it's safe. But then R5 gets lost. All of a sudden, they can't even find him on their reading anymore. He's not even on their radar. So Din gets out of the ship. Normally, this is droid work. I'm hoping to avoid going out there. I'll pressurize my helmet. He tells Grogu to seal yourself in your pod, and he leaves the ship to go find R5. So kind of cool. The first time Din stepped foot on this home planet, on Mandalore. He's never been here. He's never stepped foot here. He's a Mandalorian, but he doesn't even really know anything about this place. He looks back to Grogu, who's super scared, though. Don't worry, kid. I'll be right back. As he walks down into a cave, and he sees the ruins of a city. That we are told is the city of Sindari, and while he's looking at it, he gets attacked by what are referenced as Alamites. These Alamites are a humanoid species. They sort of look like like a like a mutated species almost, or like a like Cro-Magnon man, right? It's like a very very early sort of human like gorilla type of uh. Type of species They have some human type features They used to live in the wastelands But now no one's around They've moved into 
the the mines and into what used to be the city here. Din, it's a four on one attack, and again he's having a hard time using the dark saber. It's like he's working yeah. against it. He does manage to get a hold of it and do away with those alamites, but he he does not wield this saber even close to the way Bo Katan does in a few moments. Like right. we see her moving with that thing, like she knows how to use it. Din still struggles with it. It's sort of like the problems that Grogu had training to use the Force. They're distracted. Mm-hmm. Din is not all in with the saber because of his ties to Grogu. He cares mm-hmm. and he has all some of the same reasons why they didn't want to train Anakin with the Force to begin with because of the the love that Anakin had for his mother. That's why right. they always take these young kids away from their families early on. They don't want them to have all this emotion. That's yeah, sort no of attachments, yeah. right? And that's what's clogging, Din, I think, Din's mind a little bit when he uses this dark saber. Um, because yeah, he he just comparing the two of them, like Bo swings that thing like it's supposed to be swung. Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting element of, of the uh, the dark saber. Uh, I, I love that aspect of it. You know that it's got this inertia to it, and it, the, the, the almost like a weight. Uh, and until the the user, um, you know, I don't know exactly the mechanism, like uh, how what they need to do, you know, to be properly aligned. In, in the in the right way in order to be able to wield it properly uh, or if that's if that's been made clear yet but I just love that as a concept it it, it goes all the way back to like the idea of like Excalibur or something you know to Absolutely. be able to wield this sword weapon, in the stone or mm-hmm. or, or uh, Mjolnir you know as another thing to, to the marble are you worthy are you worthy to 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 wield it and uh, that that's just a fun a fun thing to play around with totally love that idea but Din does find R five. And R5 is able to get a read on the on the atmosphere. And once they check the analysis, the atmosphere is breathable. Mandalore is That's not fine. cursed. So yeah. Din now knows that he and Grogu can head back into the cave. They are looking for the mines. And as they walk through this dark, um, really dreary, um, wet, rocky area, they do walk by some some like wildlife. You see some wild animals that are down there. It's kind of living. Um, so there is life here. And we've seen with the Alamites, this is not a completely cursed planet where things can actually live on this planet. They continue to explore further down. Mando says that the water should flow down to the mines. These are the living waters within. Man, Grogu is terrified. He's just looking all over as he's floating in his little pod. And yeah. Din looks down and he sees a Beskar helmet And so think about this If you see a Mandalorian's helmet That's basically like the skeleton of a Mandalorian That's like mm. knowing mm. That, that they were killed And there are some helmets On the floor and as he looks down It's like a trap was set for him By yep. this big cyborg This huge cyborg Captures Din And Visually, what did you think of this thing? There's, it's like a transformer, yeah. kind of, right? Like, it's- I, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it, it. I mentioned before the the creature design has been just a plus so far, and this was another great a- example of that. I loved the way it was. It was definitely like a cyborg. Like it was mostly machine, but it had that one organic element, which was just an eye that that we could it, really see. It was. I think it was uh, referred to as a mechanical arachnid with an organic eye. Yeah, that sounds that's a really cool description right there. Yes. 
uh, and it it, and it, uh, it looked somehow even cooler than how that sounds. Um, but one of the things I really liked about it was the, the movement and the sounds really reminded me of General Grievous. I don't know if that was intentional, but I think it was, especially with the staff he was holding. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of General Grievous and the the um, the, the droids, or I'm not even sure what they were exactly, but they, 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 might, they might have been cyborgs as well, but like the droid cyborg things that would uh, support General Grievous, his soldiers. Uh, it reminded me a lot of those guys uh, being a little different. I loved how that there's <laughs> later on in the episode, um, the, the larger kind of mech, is destroyed and this tiny little like crab thing, you know, crawls out of it and then goes mm-hmm. into another mech. And it, it's just, uh, this thing's tough to kill. It's like a cockroach. Uh, and, uh, it was just very well conceived and well executed. The action around it was tremendous. The special effects were just flawless and, uh, I loved it was a really interesting design. It looked great. It really did. Yeah. And as Grogu sees all of this, he is not captured. So he's kind of watching mm-hmm. From behind and he tries to save Din But he's using the force And and keep in mind Din is basically Kind of trapped in like a, a Metal cage at this point So he's trying to like Open this metal to free Din and the, This creature hears it As Grogu's trying to help him So Din tells him hey, Go say go get Bo-Katan um, And we see Grogu jump back in his pod, fly on out. And I love yeah. that as he's on the way out of the mine, he encounters yeah. one of those Alamites. And that that Alamite is blocking Grogu's way out. Yeah. And we don't see what happens. We just sort of see Grogu come up on him. And then we yeah. see a cut to the backside. And we just see this Alamite get tossed. Just yeah. flying. And Grogu just comes right through with ease and hops yeah. right back in the... Uh, in the ship and goes to the shot, the, the shot of him emerging from the cave with his arm out. And he, you know, he's, he's come pushing in toward the camera. <laughs> uh, I, it was beautiful. It was, it was, I felt like I'd seen that moment before. It was almost like a trope, but it was so perfectly well executed here. I, I'm not saying that as, I'm not saying that to deride the moment in any stretch, it, but it reminded me of something in a good way. And, and it felt fresh at the same time. Uh, and I also loved in that moment the there, it wasn't just, um, that obstacle in this way there was also this like little dragon creature that nearly you know took him out on his way back to the ship uh and then so the the tension they really just ratcheted it up they they planted little seeds for tension too as they were going down into the uh into the the, the caves initially by seeing all the dangers seeing a little bit of that that care that um that monster thing uh and and so you knew that as as he was getting out he was gonna have to face all those (laughs) again but by himself just, just to be able to get to the ship and then let alone wh- what's he going to do from there. So the, the tension that they built in this moment was really great. It was a, a, a great sequence. And because R5 is with him and because Grogu has learned from Din yeah. on, on how to navigate and where to go, Grogu is able to make it back to Bo-Katan. And as he arrives at Bo-Katan's castle, the droid goes to tell Bo-Katan, hey, look, uh, yeah. Din's back. And Bo is pretty pissed. She's like walking out and she says, well, let's get rid of him once and for all, which is like, well, yeah. what does that mean? Is that mean yeah. like, I don't know, is she going to really try to, is she going to kill Din or is she going to just say, look, I'm, I'm completely done. I'm fed up with this. But her tone changes yeah. once she sees that Din's not even there. It's just Grogu. Um, 
he pops up yeah and she asks what happened to him and grogu's he's very sad he's cooing and she looks at the droid and she says to download the astromac let's find out where they were so bo she's quickly flipped now it's one of those things where it's like she just she's been lost she has no motivation she yeah. has nothing to do. She has no purpose. Now, at least when Grogu comes there, she's got a little bit of a purpose to go help find Din. Yeah. And then I, I was thinking about that, too. It's like it does seem a little bit like uh, a flip. Like she she changed her. All of a sudden she's invested in this. Like she knew what where Din was going. So now uh, and she assumed that he was probably going to you know face some you know, possible death by going there. Uh, but now Grogu comes back tells her as much and all of a sudden she's like oh oh no i gotta go save him makes me really think like what's really motivating that is it is it the dark saber does she know well he's there the dark saber's there is part of her thinking that in mm-hmm. the course of this she goes back to save him and then he dies is does he does she get the dark saber then uh it, you know i started to think well maybe she uses that as an opportunity to just take the dark saber we, we see me too you know, if he's in peril she doesn't yeah, right? she's got she's got this code and she sticks by the that code and it has to be done, you know, according to the book. You know, it has to be one in combat. So I thought that was really interesting that she had this opportunity to practically take it. But, you know, she she's abiding by that code. But maybe still it was she was motivated by some connection to like, you know, long term. This is going to result in, you know, her getting that that Darksaber back and, and ultimately what she wants. Bo Katan and Grogu head to Mandalore. And as they enter the atmosphere, I, I, I did think she was she did a really good job from here on, like acting mm-hmm. um, yeah. because she's got this like smile that's on her face as they're entering Mandalore. But mm-hmm. it's sort of like then it kind of changes. It shifts to disappointment a little yeah. bit like she's still excited to be coming home and she but sees it's not home it, anymore. But exactly. Yeah. It's not home yeah. anymore. And she tells Grogu, you know, it always it didn't always look like this. Um, they get down on the, uh, on the atmosphere and, and this is a, a cool few minutes where it's just Bo and Grogu. And I think she does a really good job just herself, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of feeding off of him. She said, I need you to help guide me to him. Can you do that? And they come across the ruins of the city of Sindari. Bo at this point from, for this point, for the rest of the episode, Bo is kind of, um, a character that gets a lot of exposition out there. She's sort of our tour guide. And it's funny because she even says that and then puts on a fake tour guide voice at the mm-hmm. end when she's talking to Din. But she gives us a lot of the history here of, yeah. of Mandalore. And she tells Din things that Din didn't know. He hasn't been here. He doesn't know about a lot of this. Right. They, um, this was once a beautiful city, a uh, civilization. My family ruled it all. And now it's a tomb. They, Continue on. Um, Bo says, I know you're frightened, but I need you to guide me to him. I, and then she tries to make Grogu feel a little comfortable. I knew quite a few Jedi, you know. I don't know what they taught you about us, but there was a time we got along quite well. We fought side by side. She even asks Grogu about the Force. How good are you with the Force? You must be quite good if you got back to me all alone. But then she hears something. And she, I love that she pushes Grogu off to the side. That was kind of a cool little like get back up, back up. I'll get this. And it's some of the Alamites. They attack her. I think there were three of them. And she deals with them pretty easily, pretty impressively. 
And she kind of looks back over to Grogu and says, you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, uh, Bo sort of uh, pleased with what she's done. Uh, again, she lets us know yeah. those are Alamites. And we were their next meal. They used to live in the surface wastelands beyond our cities. If they survived, I wonder what else might have too. So they continue right. on. And Something mythical, perhaps? Something myth. This is a good use, a, a good way of exposition because that's something that's a difficult, <laughs> not always easy when you yeah. when you're introducing new I, new stories, new lore. Right? Mm-hmm. It can get boring. We've we've talked about it in some of the MCU stuff. There were times yeah. in maybe like in Moon Knight or in some of those shows where you have so much new ideas that sometimes you can almost feel like you're in class. And, right. and right? right, it's like I don't. Is this kind of boring? Is this a little bit too much? I thought they did a really good job here with having Bo. Give us little tidbits here and there, and I feel like I know a little bit more about yeah. Mandalore now and, and and some of the history. Hundred percent, they expanded the lore. That's 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 how I felt about these two episodes. That like they really put the lore in Mandalorian and and built these worlds out. Uh, you know, not just with you know some new things, but also connecting things to like we mentioned before the the greater Star Wars universe and all the different shows that have been out, the different animated programs. Uh, I think that's great. And and so, like to, to to what you were saying about the um, exposition aspect of it too, none of that felt like it was it was doing any work. It was no. all being showed to us, and then there would just be a little bit of a context added to her, and it felt very natural because you've got the two characters there who are, who are in that situation where one is telling the other character who's who's new to the situation. So it it all makes sense and it works and it doesn't feel like it's being written. You know, it doesn't feel like we're they're they're just they're doing it that way so that we get the story where where it wants to go. It feels like the characters are motivating the things that are happening, which is great. So as they continue on, we see Din trapped in a like a metal trap, like a compressed cage that's squeezing him. Bo finds him and she comes up shooting, and she's able to take care of this mechanical cyborg thing. At first, she thinks. She thinks she gets the better of him. She asks Din, are you okay? Can you hear me? It's Bo. I'm going to get you out of here. Can you move? And Din's trying to say something, but he's like yeah. squeezed so much he can't even speak. He's finally able to to say it. He says, all this coming. <laughs> behind you. And, yeah. and behind her is this huge cyborg. Um, but right next to Din is the dark saber. He doesn't have it. He's not wielding it Ooh. because he's been captured. She takes it, she uses it, dices this thing up pretty quickly, and is able to free Din. But as you mentioned, there's this little, like, looks like a centipede or something that kind of crawls away yeah. afterwards, which is really cool. It's almost like um, in in the first couple battles when uh, when the in the movie It, when the kids battle with It the first couple times, mm-hmm. and he just sort of, like, goes down the drain and runs off. Yeah, where you yeah, know yeah. he's not completely dead, and you'll probably have to see him again at some point. Um, sort of, sort of what you felt here, but, um, I love how Bo-Katan, she'll let you know how good she is, like she did with Grogu and Din said, what happened? I saved your life. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay. As, uh, she does give a lot of credit to Grogu though. She said, um, Mm -hmm. your kid is tougher than he looks and he's quite the navigator. And from here on out, Din Mm -hmm. is very... I mean, he's never really been like a dick to Bo-Katan or anything like that, but he's very appreciative. And he even says, you saved my life. Like, I, I owe you now. 
I just I want to get down to the waters. I I want to finish my task, but my life is owed to you. And you can sort of feel like a softer energy mm. um between the two of them now the rest of this episode. There is a lot more of a, a of a, like we're on the same team versus we're against each other because keep in mind Din went to Bo-Katan's castle and said, I'm here to join you. He didn't say I'm here to right. lead you. He has no motivation or want to lead in any way, shape, or form. That's what's so right. interesting about this. I heard it referenced and kind of compared to Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Right. You know, yeah. where you have this guy who doesn't want anything to do with being the leader. And that's sort of what where Din is right now. And in Bo-Katan... Her whole life is about wanting to be this leader, so it's such a funny yeah. contrast between the two of them. And is uh, they share some pog soup, um, which is like a local Mandalorian delicacy, something they have all the time. As Bo kind of jokes with him, any Mandalorian worth their armor was raised on this since they were his size. She points to Grogu, and she says, "Get back, you know, rest, and I'll get you back to my ship." But that's when Din says, look, I'm not going with you. I must continue to the minds of Mandalore so that I may be redeemed. And even here, Bo's, um, Bo's response is a little different than we've heard her before. She says, I honestly think it's adorable that you actually believe these children's stories, but there's nothing magic about the waters. She used to tell him that he was crazy and insane. Now it's adorable. It's a little different. Right. It's a little, a little softer than it was before. But but there's something about any person that is so passionate in their faith, even if you don't believe what they believe, you you kind you really respect it, right? Tim, right. you see someone like this, like him, and I and that's what happens to Bo while she's watching Din. Like she's she sort of yeah. gets wrapped up in it all. Like maybe this stuff is real, or maybe I was wrong. You can sort of see her. Kind of believing again in yeah. some of the myth and some of the lore, and I think the end of this episode, these last couple scenes, did a really good job of of the two of them rubbing off on one another, um, a, a little bit of of their strength, like a little bit of the things that um, Bo kind of pointing out that maybe not all of this was was right, was mm. honest, was accurate. Mando sort of at the same time getting Bo excited about some of the things that her family and her religion and her lore. Yeah. I just thought it was a really cool last few minutes between these two characters that really seem like they soften on each other quite a bit as this episode ends, TK. Yeah, and I liked how we, we kind of learn uh, Bo-Katan's Bo background of being a little bit cynical about you know being part of the royal family, uh, taking the creed, being showered with gifts. Uh, but she says the rituals were all just theater for the subjects. And yep. then that, there's that contrast with, you know, the true believer of Din. Uh, you know, they don't believe exactly the same things, but on, on his side, he's believing. And w with her stuff, she's, she's you know, just kind of going along with it. And, uh, and, she's, and she's questioning herself, I think, a little bit here and, and wondering if there's any validity to what's going on on, on his end of things while still trying to pick it apart. Yeah. And uh, he, she's but she's responding to his you know, defense of it and seeing it in play, you know, seeing the strength that he has and, you know, what, what he's able to do and the, the conviction. And it's, it's maybe, the conviction. It, 
it's yep. making her question, you know, herself and, you know, if if she's missing something in, in regards to that. Um, and she talks about her dad even, mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad um, was a, a, a great man. He died defending Mandalore. Din says, I, I would have loved to have known him. Um, she mentions that you know, I didn't embarrass him in front of ever, anyone and um, – at when she, when she says he was a great man, he died defending Mandalore. Din looks over at Bo and says in like a really respectful way, man, like it moved me yeah, watching yeah. it for a guy who you can't see his face, right, at all. And he says in the most respectful, like beautiful way to her, this is the way. Yeah. And and she's like it, it's she her response is like when a girl is really smitten with a guy, just sort of like the blushing, the like yeah. the initial blush. And Grogu looks at her and she looks back at Grogu and says, like, what are you looking at? Yeah. Which was great. Um, like it's the jealous. You know, it's funny, we I keep bringing up my kid. I get into this a little bit with Milo mm-hmm. right now. He's super mama's boy, you know, and this, mm-hmm. this happens with a lot of kids at, at this age in like the two to three. So mm-hmm. if it's me and Stephanie, he doesn't want anything to do with me. It's mm-hmm. like mom always wins over me, you know? So it's kind of funny to see like Bo is sort of like the one who's now, is she coming in between, you know, Din and the child a little bit? Is yeah. there gonna be some jealousy from Grogu there? But I, it's it's a really, really great job from writers, directors, actors, everyone, where they can make you feel something. Like I felt something when Din says, this is the way right there. And then right following this, where they get to the living waters, TK. Yeah. And and it's kind of funny because they arrive in Bo-Katan says, hold on, I want you to get the full tour now. And she changes her yeah. voice. She literally gets into tour guide voice. These mines date back to the age of the first of Mandalore. According yeah. to ancient folklore, the mines were once a mythosaur lair. Mandalore the Great is said to have tamed the mythical beast. It is from these legends that the skull's signet was adopted and became the symbol of our planet. And she's kind of joking, but Din, he sees the waters, mm-hmm. and he's almost paralyzed by this, like, wave of emotion, this this honor, this respect that he feels to be in the presence of this. And she asked Din, are you all right? And he keeps walking, and he walks down into the pool, and it's it's very similar to a baptism and it's again a, a kind of a mic a mirror image of the scene that we saw at the beginning of mm-hmm. episode 1 with the baptism and he speaks his words as he gets into the pool i swear on my name and on the names of the ancestors that i shall walk the way of the mandalore and the words of the creed shall be forever forged in my heart and and while bo is watching she seems like she's like being moved and taken to a different place and like inspired and impacted by this moment. And as we have this beautiful moment, Din gets pulled right down (laughs) into the water, sucked right down into the water. And Bo has to dive in after him. He's been taken deep with, with an instance. He's like a mile under the water already way down there. She's looking for him. And as she's searching, she sees the eye of the mythosaur, the yep. mythical gigantic beast. It is still here. It is living in the water. 
She can't believe it. She's able to get Din, get back up to the surface, and they're both outside of the water, safe for a moment. And that's Mm -hmm. how the episode ends. But what is incredible is that within these few moments, all of what Bo-Katan had believed has been completely flipped upside down. Everything that she thought was was real is sort of not. All the things that she thought were myths are not are real now. There's still the living yeah. waters. There's a mythosaur in the living waters. She's seen it with her own eyes now. Yeah. It's I'm so intrigued by how does she feel? Will this inspire her? Does this make what is the, what about the chemistry that seemed like it was there with her and Din? Or is it the yeah. opposite? Is she going to want to take the dark saber from him? Like you were saying. I'm right. so excited about where they're going because I have no idea. So many questions. And I think what's what's so intriguing about it is you could conceive of, you know, logically it going multiple different ways. You know, it's not just like I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, logically it's going to go this one way, but maybe the writers are going to probably like do this because that would be more interesting. Well, well, whatever they choose to do, they've really set up a lot of good uh, options. They've set up all these different characters with, you know, overlapping motivations that also contrast and, you know, uh, are in direct conflict with each other. You've got, you know, not just, you know, two parties, you know, going head to head. You've got, you know, factions within the Mandalorians, uh, you know, working itself, working it out between them. Then you've got the, the greater, you know, the Jedi on top of that. Now you've got space pirates, you know, mixing up uh, that. Like, they're just stacking a lot of different story elements and, and and antagonists in there and i feel like they could really mix it up and, and keep us guessing and um and and they're they're setting up great star wars stories like nothing that they that they uh you know set the table for in these episodes is anything that's you know particularly new or hasn't been seen before but it is all a, a new spin a fresh spin mm-hmm. on things that we recognize instantly as being Star Wars, whether it's, you know, the the Western elements, you know, on the ground in um, in Navarro, you know, you know, facing off and having a shootout with space pirates or the later on uh, uh, going through the asteroid field and, uh, you know, space battles in that regard to amazing uh, creature designs and, and these things that call back to you know, old stories or, or, you know, other shows, you know, just building the lore, building the universe out uh, and and uh, doing so in a way that feels at, at its core like it's Star Wars. This is like George Lucas Star Wars. Uh, and yet it's fresh. This is Dave Filoni and John Favreau running the show. Uh, they're just continuing that legacy, but really living up to the best aspects of what Star Wars is. And so I'm, I'm really excited about um, where they're going with it. I'm excited about uh, a change of pace from, you know, the Marvel mm-hmm. uh, side of things going into Star Wars, which I think has been handled a little bit differently. I'm excited to, when we pivot back to, to Marvel to see how they're course correcting as well and to be able to compare and contrast the two. So uh, very, very cool stuff uh, on its way. And I don't know where, where it's going, but I know they got a lot of balls in play and uh, I'm, I'm super intrigued. One Me- quick question for you. Please. Any any predictions on uh, cameos? We've seen some big ones so far. I've heard people, you know, rumblings about how cool it would be to have Yoda, proper Yoda, maybe as mm-hmm. a force ghost or something on this series. Anybody that you want to see? 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> Yodes would be awesome. Like, he would yeah. be the one that would be really, really cool. And I've, I've also heard IG-88, maybe, thrown oh, out there. Maybe on, yes. on our way to IG-11, IG-11 maybe we, we come across IG-88. Oh, that would be a blast. And I'm not sure if we're going to get, you know, another, like, Ahsoka Tano, because her, her own show is coming. Right. But, maybe, um, though. We, we, we definitely could. We very well could. So... Oh, good. I mean, within a little over an hour of of two episodes of TV, mm-hmm. they they've already got us back in the groove. They like they played all the hits, but then yeah, like you yeah. said it still feels fresh. We've got some of these new ideas. We've got within an hour, yeah. we've got the mythosaur, we've got yeah. um you know, these hyperspace whales, we've got the yeah. purple, we've got these new groups of pirates, we've got yeah. Gorian uh, Shand, we've got, you know, the dynamic between Bo and Din, we've got Grogu growing up, there's just a, a new lot. astromech, a new, new astromech, astromech. Yeah. like, just a ton of great stuff, and we will be here with you now each and every week to talk about the Mandalorian. Uh, you got to find friends like Tim Kelly out there, folks, where you can talk Thank about you. the things that you love for hours and hours, Star Wars, Marvel, MCU stuff, whatever it is. We've got one of the best out there to break it all down. Tim Kelly helping us. And as you're expecting a new little one and life has been really busy for you at work, I really appreciate it. Uh, and you were able to carve out some time for uh, for me and we were on a different schedule this week, too. So thanks again, buddy. I can't I can't thank you enough. And I look forward to getting back in this world with you. Absolutely. Uh, same to you. I, I can't wait to uh, discuss next week with you. Tim Kelly, make sure to give him a follow at Tim is not funny. Check that out on Twitter and on Instagram and check out the awesome music projects that he has. You can get all the direct links a lot of times right from his social media stuff, too. So TK will be here with us each and every week talking The Mandalorian. And next week, it'll be episode three. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. We'll be back with a little more on That's What G Said right after this. All caught up on The Mandalorian. So we'll be here now each and every week for weekly episodes. So every week when the new episode drops, when you're not sure what to think, before that next episode, come and listen to me and TK. Maybe we'll help make it more, make more sense to all of you. I know that whenever I love a particular topic, a sport, um, a show, I like to hear as much about it as possible. So if that's how you are, Come and hang out with us as we talk about The Mandalorian Season 3. We'll have a NCAA bracket breakdown coming out for you later on in the week. We'll have This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We will talk some horse racing for Santa Anita, Gulfstream, and some of the big races all around the country. But it's a big bracket week. It's a lot of college basketball talk coming up over these next few days. So we'll have uh, tons of that and a full bracket breakdown coming soon. I hope you enjoyed our recap and reviews of The Mandalorian. We'll be back in a few days for episode three. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you again real soon.